0: listening to Glowing Older, the podcast that goes deep with the experts shaping senior living. Thank you to our Season 3 sponsor, Project Relevance, advisors for living, aging, and ending well.
1: Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm pleased to be here today with Matt Thornhill, founder and CEO of Cozy Home Communities. Welcome to the program, Matt.
0: Happy to be here, Nancy.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, you're widely recognized as a Boomer expert. I'd love it if you could tell us about your background and how you segued from the advertising business to founding the Boomer Project in 2003.
0: Well, I, I actually did spend, gosh, the first 20 plus years of my career was in the ad agency business, first in Madison Avenue in New York. Then I came to my hometown, Richmond, Virginia, worked for an agency called the Martin Agency. And uh, one of the things in the advertising business is I studied consumer behavior. And we always focused on, on young people, 18 to 49. 18 to 49 was the golden demographic of of advertising, it still is quite honestly. In fact, in the advertising world, Once you turn 50, you kind of fall off the map. It's almost like you're dead to the advertising business. And back in the uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, it was real clear to me that baby boomers had started turning 50. It had started in 1996. And by 2003, enough boomers had turned 50 that I I had friends who were in their 50s. And and they were talking to me about being ignored by the advertising business, Uh, you know, ad, ad People just wanted to sell them Geritol or maybe uh, Cadillac every once in a while, but otherwise they just ignored them. And I said to myself, self, that's a group that's going to have a lot of spending power over the next 20 years. Marketers are missing the boat. So I partnered up with a fellow who owned a market research firm and said, let's start a consulting practice to understand boomers at this stage of life at 50 and older. And that's how we ended up launching the Boomer Project back in 2003. We did our own research studies. We found out that boomers agreed with our hypothesis that, yes, they were being ignored. And they really wanted to, uh, we wanted to help marketers understand, you know, how to sell and market to this this segment who weren't yet old, but were older than that golden demographic of, of 18 to 49
1: exactly so how um how did you segue from the boomer project from doing your research to um to entering the senior housing market
0: well actually the senior housing market found us in the mid 2000s uh and 10 i guess 2005 2006 they called us up and said hey matt we want to understand boomers they're going to be our next consumer and i said like what no they're not they're they're way too young Maybe they're the adult children making decisions for their uh, older parents, but they're not really interested in your product. And in fact, once they get to that age, based on what I know about boomers, I don't think they're ever going to be interested in your current product. But nonetheless, people wanted to hire us. We worked uh, consulting gigs and did presentations all across the country to educate the senior housing business, senior living business about, about boomers. That kind of went away with the recession, but then it came back in about 2015, 2016, when again, uh, owners and operators and the people that run the conferences and put on the events said, we really wanna understand where boomers are. So my business partner and I decided to to do our own research yet again. We did an updated national study to really take the temperature of where boomers are at, at this stage of life in their late 50s to mid 70s to basically find out, okay, what what are your thoughts about where you're going to live, uh, how you're going to fund your retirement, uh, how much money you have saved for retirement, and we ended up learning a lot, and we turned that into some content that we went out and shared with the senior housing uh, industry sector over the last couple of years. Um, we actually put together a presentation that I called "The Future of Senior Living: How to Be um, Netflix in a Blockbuster World." And the reason I use that analogy is I looked at senior housing as an outsider and said, you know what, this this category seems to be like the only game in town. It's almost like it's 1999 and you're Blockbuster. You know, we're firmly entrenched in operating retail stores to distribute uh, movies and videos and DVDs. And Netflix comes along and and changes the whole paradigm and, and Blockbuster just refused to acknowledge it. And I look at senior living and say, you guys are in the same shape. You're the only game in town. You're a really expensive game. And you, uh, the folks, the consumer out there, especially this new generation of older adults called boomers, is not really interested in your product. So you're going to need to figure out how to change. You're going to have to figure out how to Netflix yourself before somebody else comes along and Netflixes you. So that, that's where we um, really evolved into more into to senior housing. And along that way, one of the things that became clear to me is that there was an opportunity to basically build a better product, basically an opportunity for me to be Netflix. As opposed to being a consultant and and run a think tank, I decided it was time for me to to become an entrepreneur again at age 60 and launch a new type of senior housing product that I call the cozy home community. Uh, And that's really the transition that happened from me running the Boomer Project to me now now, um, starting the cozy home community concept,
1: and one of the things about um that's so unique about the cozy home communities and uh, is that it's not really senior living it's it's intergenerational. So tell us a little bit about the cozy home communities concept and where you are with it at this point.
0: Sure. Well, the idea is one one of those ideas I had bouncing around on my head for a couple of years, and then I finally decided to to bring it to life, and I started talking to people in the senior housing sector to say, does this make sense? And I've gotten universal, enthusiastic support for it. The idea is this, rather than build a, a big complex with uh, multiple floors and multiple hallways and, you know, congregate living in a hotel or a or, uh, you know, dormitory type setting. Why don't we just take that and split it into smaller homes, not tiny homes, because older adults don't work in tiny homes with uh, lofts and such. But let's maybe spread out, let's let's create a 1,200 square foot home that maybe has two bedrooms, two bathrooms, um, and enough living space, but not too big. And let's make the, these individual homes, in fact, Initially, when we came up with the concept, we said, let's actually have them be modular built or panelized construction because the construction industry at the time didn't have enough workers uh, and it was really hard to find workers You know, a couple of years ago, less so now thanks to the uh, unemployment rate being so high. But anyway, the idea was to build these little modular homes, these cozy homes, I called them, And put eight of them in a pocket neighborhood, a a cluster uh, neighborhood, kind of in a circle around uh, a a common area in the middle that they could share. You can fit eight of these homes on an acre, and in that center space, the common space, we'll put a a building, an extra building. We'll call it the common house that you can use for meetings and and uh, shared space and activities, and also has a couple of spare bedrooms in there that you could use when you had family in town. And the idea was to build this really for that 55 to, to 80 year old who has maybe the kids are gone, they are interested in downsizing or at least uh, right sizing and they would like to live in a community. So the product itself is these, these homes and these, these colonies we call them, a, a colony of eight homes with a common house in the middle And you put two or three of these colonies, maybe three to five of these colonies together to form a community. And that's just step one. So step one is the product. Step two is now let's be a little bit more intentional about creating community. Because one of the big issues I see when I look at the senior housing space and when we got to study it a bit more, we were really surprised to find that the average age of people moving into independent living today is 81 years old, and the average age of people moving in active adult is 72, yet those products are designed for people that are 55 or 65 intentionally, I mean, that's the intention for them, uh, to get you to move in early, live a long, healthy life there, and then, you know, once you get to the end of life, you access the assisted living or the skilled nursing, and in the ideal model, you use very little of that, and you die quick. And that's, that's how the finances work in it. But if people aren't showing up to independent living until they're 81, and they're showing up with uh, various ADL issues, activities of daily living issues, they're really not going there because they want to. They're moving there because they've reached the stage of life where they feel like they have to. Well, that to me is a product problem. You've got a product that people don't want to move to. It's just a needs-based business. Now, there's nothing wrong with it, and you can make plenty of money in a needs-based business, but are you meeting the needs, or really, are you meeting the desires of the market? So my product is designed to appeal to healthy 55 to 65 to 75-year-olds who want to live together in community. So that's why we've designed it to have this kind of community nature to it, these, these uh, colonies and one of the things we said is, okay, how do we be more intentional in making it a community? Why don't we, you know the the what makes a community community is not the buildings, It's not the layout, it's the people. and the shared stories and shared experiences and shared connections that the people have. So what if we created this community, these communities where maybe the eight uh, different folks or, or sixteen folks maybe who live in these uh, eight homes, Maybe they have something in common, some shared story, some shared background, some shared interest. Maybe they're all retired school teachers. Maybe they are in the healthcare field at some point in their career. Maybe they're musicians. Maybe they want to uh, volunteer and give back and work in elementary schools in the area. But there's just some connection point that brings them together. And it can be as, you know, maybe they're all Jimmy Buffett fans. It doesn't matter what it is, but something that helps connect them. And our intention is to uh, use the same resources that colleges use to match up dorm roommates, to find people that would like to live near each other and have perhaps something in common with how they live, how they go about their day, what their interests are, so we can essentially match them up if they don't show up and already have a match set up. We're also uh, really being intentional in designing these communities to appeal to a specific segment. Uh, I mentioned the age, 55 to 75, 85. I mean, sorry, 75, 80. But more importantly, to make it for the middle income folks, the middle market, because that's a huge gap in the marketplace today. The senior living, senior housing space, it really has the top end of the market covered. And it's got the the low end of the market somewhat covered, thanks to uh, federal funding and and affordable housing that's available. But there's no product for the middle. There's no product for the middle that's intentionally built for them. So that's what we're also trying to do is to make this an affordable product uh, for folks to come live in.
1: One of the unique things about your property is the, the giving back to the community by design,
0: correct? Yeah, in fact, that's the, the kind of the third element. So the first is the physical, what's it look like, how's it how's it configured? And if you go to CozyHomeCommunity.com, a picture's worth a thousand words. You can see what, what the houses look like and how the colonies are configured. Uh, the second element is the fact that there's this shared common story of the residents who live in each colony. And then the third element is uh, we do want people to be a part of the solution, not just there to be served. So we want to have folks agree to when they move in. It's a rental property, by the way. We want them to agree to give, as as long as they're able, twelve hours a month to the community, and that can be volunteering to I don't know help with the landscaping. It could be uh, managing the the uh, the books for the for the uh, operation, but to basically have a role to play in helping our neighbors, you know. Research has been done that, that human beings are more than willing to help each other, but the folks who need help are really reluctant to ask for it. And if you set up a kind of this time bank model uh, where you say, okay, I know that Joe down the, down the block there has got three hours still to give this month, and I need some help with some, some things today. I, I don't feel bad about asking Joe because I know he's looking for something to do. So setting up this model where people kind of give, have a, a time bank where they share their hours and give back to each other is a great way to foster community. And in doing that, it gives people purpose. It engages people. It gives people ownership of the community. They're not there just to be served. They're there to serve. And it can make a huge difference in, in how healthy somebody can live at this stage of life. You know, you've seen the research. It says living alone by yourself, not having a purpose will kill you faster than just about anything else. So let's be intentional about creating the community aspect of this to make it possible for folks to live together.
1: Well, clearly uh, both from an economic perspective and a cultural perspective, your concept has taken off. So give me a little update on where you are now, how many there are, how many are in development, where they are, just give me a download.
0: Well, we're actually, uh, we launched in January and we were cooking with gas uh, in early February and into March before COVID hit. And our segment that we're focusing on is, is partnering with current operators of senior living, actually nonprofit operators of senior living, we have found to be the low hanging fruit, so to speak, because they're interested in adding this as a part of their portfolio. Uh, building a cozy home community on land they already own so that they can do a better job of addressing the middle market. You know, those nonprofits started, many of them, like 100 years ago as homes for widows and orphans. And they tend to be uh, have a faith-based uh, uh, origin story. And they're interested in, in still trying to serve the needs of the community, but they've evolved into these life plan communities with hundreds of thousand dollar entrance fees and Four, five, six thousand $6,000 or higher monthly fees to, to live there. Um, and they're like, well, we're not really serving the community at large. So, how do we do a better job of that? And one way is to build a cozy home community. So, we have identified uh, senior living operators and have talked to them. And we were actually pretty far down the path with several of them. And then COVID hit. And understandably, they had to turn their attention to taking care of their residents and their staff and dealing with infection control. And well, their operations got turned upside down and and COVID really has, I don't know, put a fog on the whole senior living uh, category in terms of moving forward. I think that fog is starting to lift, you know, the vaccine coming and and all the the, uh, kind of good news we see in early 2021 the fog is gonna lift. We have some prospects that are still, we're moving forward with. We're just not ready to announce who they are yet. Uh, We do have a a opportunity down in rural Georgia that we're pursuing. We have one in St. Louis. We have one here in my home state of Virginia that we're pursuing. And we're talking with people out out in Colorado. You know, the, the cozy home community concept can work anywhere. It works best where we can have either low or no land cost because the whole idea here is not to uh, enrich everybody in developing the communities, myself included. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing this to try to create a new model for how we can do middle market, middle income housing for seniors where it's community driven and community based you know, one of the things we're, well, several of the things we're leaning into is how people are going to live in community in, in five or 10 years. You know, we were, we were betting on that probably by 2030, the world will, at least in America, we will have embraced things like telemedicine and uh, grocery home delivery. We would have, have embraced those probably in five or 10 years. COVID came along and actually sped us to that future almost instantaneously which is great news for us because our product actually has physical distancing built in. You live, you live in your own home, your own separate unit. You don't have to walk down the hallway past other people to get to your house. Um, and people are you know getting used to pretty quickly, okay, I can access my doctor from my home. I don't have to go to the doctor's office. I can get prescriptions delivered to me. I don't have to go to the drugstore. I'm, I'm used to ordering groceries now online. So the world is is changed. Covid has brought changes even faster, making our community make even more sense uh, down the road. You know, yes, if like if things like uh, you know Grubhub and DoorDash and and Uber Eats and you know soon there'll be driverless electric cars carting us around. The whole need to have all of the services within the walls of a current senior living compound that that's just not the future. And now the argument one would have those in fact a lot of those senior living operators are saying well good the solution for us is we're just going to have a you know version an at home version so people can stay in their homes. And the truth of the matter is uh, a lot of folks can and a lot of folks with money can but there's a lot of folks that staying in their home by themselves is not the best solution. They need to be in community. They need to have a purpose and just having access to services at home is not the same as living in a community with your peers who you see every day and creating an environment where people want to come live in a community with their peers that they see every day is what cozy home community is all about. I can't say that that's exactly what a lot of the congregate living versions of of senior living that are out there today are really delivering. They're delivering it, but they're delivering it now with um, dealing with infection control and limiting access and all kinds of restrictions. That's not how people want to live at this stage of life. They don't want to live locked down. They want to live where they have control over things. And a cozy home community will give people control.
1: Yeah, and it seems like there's not a lot of people-driven, market-driven concepts there's a lot that just like assume that older people are all the same <laughs> they all want the same thing but i know robert kramer from nexus insights has been a huge uh proponent of the fact that uh, that of uncoupling services and giving the boomers exactly what they want and not necessarily packaging it all in
0: yeah and part of that is is uh i mean the prior generation the silent generation and even the greatest generation because they came of age during the, either the Depression or World War II, they all had to kind of uh, uh, pull together to, to deal with those issues. And it was not every man for himself, it was everybody support everybody. So this deal, you know, we're all in this together, uh, let's all look out for each other. It, it was a bit of a mindset that that generation had that boomers weren't faced with those same issues when they came of age in the 50s and the 60s, and it became like every man for himself. So boomers tend to be, uh, I'll call it self-centered, but I don't mean it in a a bad way. I just mean that they look at at everything through the lens of, well, what's in this for me? They're not kind of the we generation, they're the me generation, and the silent generation was much more the we generation. So now that you have the silent generation kind of exiting stage right and boomers moving in, yeah, you're going to have to change. It's not about what the group wants. It's about what I want and what works for me. And how can I come and live in your community and still still have control? I'm not looking for independence. In fact, that's a a fallacy to even talk about independence as a goal that, that older adults have, because I haven't been independent since the day I was born. I've been interdependent. You know, even driving down the road, I'm interdependent. I'm depending on other people to stay in their lanes. I mean, we all have to depend on each other through life, throughout life. And so that that's the wrong concept. The the better concept is about control. I want control over the things that I I get to do every day, and where I get to do it, and how I get to do it. And telling me I have to eat lunch between eleven thirty and twelve thirty is doesn't give me control. That's you having control over me. I want more options than that. And that's what how boomers are wired. They're looking at this through the lens of, okay, how's this gonna work for me?
1: Exactly. Well, I know that the cozy home community gets you excited, but what gets you most excited these days? And I'm gonna say besides the cozy home community.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've devoted my time now to kind of see if I can get this off the ground. I, I guess uh, I'm excited I maybe excited in the world. I'm I'm anxious, which means I'm filled with anxiety. That we have got a a huge resource in America that we have to tap into. And it's called older adults. Uh, The number, for example, the number of people who are 75 and older in America today is going to grow by 48% between now and 2030. So it's one and a half times larger than it was, to, than it is today. So that's, you know, you, you hear that and you think, oh my gosh, what a problem that's going to be. We're going to have all these older adults. It's like growing older is not a problem. It's not a crisis. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to have a longer life. You know, the whole mindset of the, the uh, I'll call it the aging industrial complex, the fact that they even call it aging is if it's a disease that can be cured. You know, we're going to have to deal with the problems of aging. It's like, no, there are no problems of aging. There's just the reality of growing older. And what I want to know is how can we tap into this promise that America is going to have of people living longer lives? Because people living longer lives have something that younger people don't have. They've got wisdom that goes with, comes from experience. How do we tap into that? How do we tap into that as a resource because that is a huge resource that we're going to have, not just this country, but the whole world will have, unless another version of COVID comes along and and kills us all off. We're going to have a huge resource of of older adults. And one of the things that's going to happen over the next 10 years, and you can mark my words on this, is that uh, it's going to be cool to be old. It's going to be okay. (laughs) And, And the reason I know that is, you know, Bruce Springsteen is in his 70s, and he's still pretty cool. And if you told me that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, when he was in his 30s, hey, you know, Bruce Springsteen's still going to be relevant and cool in his 70s, I would have said, what are you, crazy? But now look at it. It's, it's changed. And it's going to continue to change as us boomers get into this age segment. And, you know, we're the ones who are going to disrupt. We're not going to disrupt senior living. We're going to disrupt everything about growing older. The fact that you call your podcast glowing older is is a good example of it, which is going to change what it means to be old in America. And it's not going to be bad. It's going to be good because we're boomers and and we transform every stage of life. We're not finished. We got one more stage of life to transform. And I guess that's what gets me excited.
1: Well, you can tell uh, the passion in your voice and I just love how well you know the market and understand it and created such a great product for a very underserved population. The middle market is is the most in danger of not having any place to go. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today and I can't wait to see what you're going to do with
0: Cozy Home Community. Well, stay tuned. I'm excited for it too. Thanks for uh, giving me this opportunity, Nancy. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.